squad, welcome to the, back to the dungeon. Uh, this is Chico Leo, and I am joined by my Los Leos partner, uh, Leo Fairman. What's going on, Scream Squad? And uh, yes, yeah, so um, it has been officially announced. Um, Jamie, in fact, has left the dungeon, uh, not necessarily forever. Uh, she might be stopping back in, but um, she will not. She will no longer be a regular here in the dungeon and uh, will definitely be missed but um, you now have uh, your uh, the team of Los Leos, Chico Leo and Leo Fairman um, to uh, hopefully uh, continue to do justice to the Scream Squad and of course all of you out there so um, so, the du- so, the dun- so you're allowed to just leave the dungeon? Doesn't sound like much of a dungeon Chico you can just come and go. <laughs> she had actually left the dungeon on a, uh, you know, she was supposedly out in uh, like Transylvania buying some electric chairs and some Iron Maidens and <laughs> various accoutrements to uh, actually kit out the dungeon. And uh, I guess, uh, you know, that was it. So, yeah, she 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 had uh, she'd been let out and, uh, and 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 she kept going. So, yeah. But no, we uh, we hope and uh, expect that uh, Jamie will at least be back to uh, say what's up, make some appearances, uh, and all that. Um, but yeah, we are uh, we are going to continue. Uh, you know, the squad is strong, and um, this week uh, we're going to talk about a couple of movies um, that I actually. So you and I had talked a lot about uh, Land of the Dead, the fourth. Well, it's the fourth Romero zombie movie, and actually the first in his second trilogy is how uh, some people have described it. And the recent um, indie girl with all the gifts. Um, so I don't know which which of those uh, do you want to talk about first. We could go chronologically, or most recently, or I f- I, I want to do Land of the- Let's do Land of the Dead first. All right, so we're gonna talk. We'll talk about Land of the Dead. Um, George Romero, who uh, is definitely a king of the of the genre and pretty much invented the modern day zombie genre um land of the dead does not uh i think you'll agree with me does not get the props that it deserves it totally it totally doesn't um and it was and it was strange because you know it existed for me in that twilight space with with movies that i saw 10 years ago that i felt exactly the way you just described about but there's a little part of me that was like, oh, is it? Is it, it's going to be bad when I go back to it? Is it not going to hold up to that scrutiny? And I found it to be completely incorrect. It held up like crazy. I still think it's an awesome movie. And, you know, it, it a super gory movie for a 12-year-old film right now. It is pretty brilliantly disgusting. It really is. And I, I actually, yeah. So I, did you see it in the theater? I actually saw it in the theater. I did not. No, I saw it like immediately upon like home release. So I think it it pretty much had the budget of all three of its predecessors put together. So he really had, um, you know, a lot a lot of uh, a lot to work with, um, and it, and it was actually a pretty big success. Um, so yeah, George Romero's from Pittsburgh, and all of his zombie movies basically take place. He, you know, within this same sort of zombie apocalypse, um, began with Night of the Living Dead, uh, then Dawn of the Dead, and then Day of the Dead, and then uh, his next trilogy is Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. Um, and they all have a sort of political angle to them. Um, Night of the Living Dead uh, definitely uh, deals pretty directly with race 
And yeah. um, Dwayne Jones, who starred in it, is uh, you know one of the great black horror um, you know protagonists. Um, the second one, uh, Dawn of the Dead, of course, addresses like consumerism, and it all takes place in the mall. And Day of the Dead, which is sort of the darkest um, of the original trilogy, sort of indirectly addresses like the AIDS crisis. Mm. And this one. Land of the Dead definitely is directly addressing, among other things, gentrification, which longtime Scream Squad fans will remember that our first episode was gentrification and horror, uh, where we talked, um, what did we talk about? We talked about uh, the werewolf movie with Edward James Olmos and something else. I'm I'm, I'm blanking now, but uh, but we definitely talked about uh, gentrification and horror. Mm. And Land of the Dead is something that should definitely be in there uh so yeah so what uh what what do you uh what do, what do you what are your thoughts yeah like i mean i totally agree i think land of the dead is uh is is definitely squarely in in the conversation of gentrification um it's also i mean squarely in the conversation of race and it has to be i mean one of the more diverse like zombie movies i feel like i've ever seen i mean yep. it's got a samoan in it yep. <laughs> which has to be a, a marked distinction that sets it apart from many others it's got a Samoan. It's got uh, it's got John Leguizamo, uh, who I believe is is he Panamanian or uh, I can't remember what his. Uh, it's got Aja Argento, daughter of you know another Scream King. You tell me, John Leguizamo is in Puerto Rican? No, no, I just said Panamanian. He's the how really? Oh, he's Colombian. He's Colombian. Oh, he's Colombian. He's Colombian. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we were going to get it eventually. We just kept going through, you know. Right. No, um, no, no, no. I said Panamanian. <laughs> okay. You, you right. said Puerto Rican. No, I, yeah. I, I, in, my, in, my, in my head canon, he, he was Puerto Rican. I think that's probably just due to his casting. <laughs> right. Except for Spike Lee, who cast him as Italian. <laughs> that's right. He's actually, he's actually really run the gamut, hasn't he? Yes. Uh, and I mean, and, and in this movie, is he even just... Dis- Defined? He, well, he uh, Dennis Hopper calls him a spick. He does, but like that's you know, <laughs> and and his nickname is Cholo. Yeah, so, that's right. His, his nickname is Cholo. He, that's right. He's kind of well, he's look, an every Latino in this, <laughs> right? You know? uh, but I mean, in, in Romero's defense, Romero is uh, Cuban. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think I think that Dennis Hopper joke wasn't like a, an ignorant bit of scripting. It was like right. it was a pointed reference to his own ignorance or to the character's so, ignorance. Yeah, I mean this, uh, and of course, actually, the the lead zombie is actually black, and this is the first in this one. The zombies sort of um, develop basic like tool ability, and 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 sort of have some kind of intelligence. This is the first time that they're not. Uh, it's played by Eugene Clark. Um, that they are not, in fact, um, just mindless shambling you know um creatures see and that was one of the details i remembered from my first viewing of this but the detail i didn't remember is that formative like one of the first if not one of the first scenes where they're observing this behavior where it's like in my head i thought it was like somehow like zombies the way you put it developing uh their their human traits but really like in the context of the film it's more a reclamation it's more like returning to them returning to humanity uh you know like there it seems like they want to be the things they were um where you know conceptually you know big daddy uh the 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 main the main zombie the kind of ersatz leader uh you know i i guess the idea is that he worked he was a mechanic at this gas station and like one day he's just 
starting to do mechanic-like things again. Right. <laughs> you know? um, which is really, really interesting. Like, it's not even... In my head, I think I, I remembered it as as solely an observed thing, but I feel like in the movie, it's a mix of the zombies observing uh, human mechanics and, and remembering rem- right. their former, their, their human lives. Yeah, yeah, which is... Which is really, really, really interesting to me. Um, I I, I want to also point out actually when you uh, when you mentioned how um, uh, diverse the uh, the movie is, uh, we should also give a shout out to Phil uh, Fondacaro, who is uh, three and a half feet tall and uh, did play. Um, he was he was an Ewok. He's actually the Ewok uh, who gets killed. That's in, right in, in Return of the Jedi. And um, I actually remember him as uh, like uh, Vankmar or Vank. He's the he's the actual tough Nelwyn, the Nelwyn warrior in Willow, and I've always recognized him. Um, uh, you know, every, every time he's shown up, just from Willow, I have fond memories of Willow, which is a movie. Oh yeah, he's not, the does not he, he's about. the he's the um, which he's like the main character. The Nelwyn warrior is he the main character's like foil in Willow? Is he like the guy who like gives him shit? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. I totally remember yes. this. Yeah, yeah. Vankmar, I think his name is. But anyway, he plays Chihuahua, right. uh, the uh, sort of corrupt bar owner <laughs> who, where we meet Aja Argento, she is, uh, she's been forced into a cage match with some zombies. <laughs> and uh, Riley, the main character, uh, played by uh, Simon, Simon uh, Baker. What is Baker? Simon Baker. There was a point where Simon Baker was like, he was a leading man for a minute. Um, but yeah, anyway, so basically the, uh, the, the, the setting is Dennis Hopper plays basically Donald Trump, mm-hmm. um, in a, um, they, he's created this Fiddler's Green. It's a luxury high rise and the rest of the sort of population is behind gates, but they're like in a sprawl outside, like literally living in like booths and trailers and the really wealthy live in Fiddler's Green and Dennis Hopper pays people like Cholo, um, you know, John Leguizamo and uh, Riley Simon Baker to basically go out and scavenge and scrounge. Um, it is the equivalent. I mean, it's hard to, you know, of course this was on, you know, five years or more, you know, five, six, seven years before um, The Walking Dead. But, you know, it's hard to to look at zombie stuff and not without, you know, looking through the, the lens of The Walking Dead. And I, I will say, for the amount of time they seem to be out there, the uh, the stores seem to be pretty well stocked. <laughs> you know, like they go into the liquor store and there's still like a ton of liquor on the shelves and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so Riley has built this, this tank, this, uh, you know, Winnebago tank type thing called Dead Reckoning. And they use that to go out and, um, you know, scavenge basically. But things then go, go awry. There's, but there's definitely class issues and issues of who gets to live in Fiddler's Green. And Cholo actually has made enough money that he wants to buy his way into Fiddler's Green, but um, he is considered, you know, not desirable by Dennis Hopper, <laughs> both for class and race reasons. And so it's definitely, you know, straight up addressing addressing that, you know? I mean, it's, it's straight up redlining. It's straight up, you know, no, you can't move here. It's straight up, you know, um, you know, people in the 60s who, you know end up moving off moving out you know because one you know one family of color moves onto the block that kind of thing 
Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, this one, this one definitely confronts that, you know, head on. It, it, yeah, it does. It, it, it also has, I mean, especially Leguizamo, who I think is like a, a, a super capable performer a lot. And he's really freaking good in this. Like yeah. he, he kind of is the one that goes through the most, the most kind of, uh, what would you say? Like, like changes, like, uh, periods of doubt and periods of transformation in the movie. Like you said, he wants, he wants to, he believes one that he deserves to be in Fiddler's Green. And then, but, and then following that, that he can afford to be in Fiddler's Green. And Dennis Hopper sets him incredibly straight that no, you're not wanted here. It doesn't matter like what little trinkets you bring me from the outside or what a good lapdog you are. So Cholo represents the person of color throughout American history who's basically told these are the rules and this is the American dream. And as long as you follow the rules and do whatever you you can achieve the American dream, too. And then the rug gets pulled out from under you. And that 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 is the history of America. I mean, that's you know, that that is how it consistently has has worked and um it it happens you know to him in this movie i mean he's basically told you know um this is how much it costs to move into fiddler's green he comes up with the dough and then suddenly you know they saw well you know you know we've got you know more uh you know we have a a board that we have to run up you know they, they come up with a bunch of bullshit is there is there in the movie is there um i was trying to figure this out and i don't think i saw any but are there people of color at all that live in fiddler's green did you not that we see we, we definitely don't, don't see don't. any okay. now dennis hopper definitely has a black butler oh yes he does yes but he does. we definitely know we we don't see people of color living there i mean it's definitely white you know um and we see people of of all it's a rainbow outside of fiddler's green like in the sprawl outside um but um yeah i mean it's uh I guess Pittsburgh has a bunch of rivers, so it's it's actually uh, you know it's bordered on two sides by by river, and then the third side is an electric fence, and um, so it, yeah, it's just the rich, the powerful, and white live in Fiddler's Green, and everyone else is like you know in squalor outside, um, and doing various however ways to survive. Um, but you but know, but, it's it's also it's slow zombies. As they are in all of um, all of George Romero, they, so. they are slow zombies, but they're also like teleporting zombies who all seem to have like Jason's ability. <laughs> they, like, there's so much zombie appears in dead silence behind the character moments in this movie. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah, and and actually, I, I one thing I liked actually was uh, so the zombies figure out that they can cross the river just by uh, and Big Daddy sort of leads them by just jumping in and just walking underwater and coming out on the other side. Right. Um, which you know we wonder why that hadn't happened earlier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I mean it's it's I don't really understand why this one doesn't have you know sort of more acclaim. I feel like this really sort of kickstarted the zombie craze that we're in now. Mm. Um, you know I don't know exactly when Walking Dead the comic started, but I don't did it exist? In, I don't think it existed in two thousand five. Did it? Is it has it been around for twelve years? I actually want to say it did. I think that's yeah. I think you're started. right. I mean, there's been, it's been so many issues, so maybe it has. But um, you know, there was this, and then there was the remake of um, Dawn of the Dead that mm-hmm. actually jumped. That was uh, the beginning of Zack Snyder's career. So that's you know, right. Many claim many claim that's his best movie. 
Yeah, it is his best movie. Yeah. With, I mean, it's not. That's not even. I mean, there's no question that that's his best movie. Um, and it's actually a pretty a damn good remake. I I think. I agree. Um, I agree. But um, I've got the guy across the street is a huge Romero fan and he hates it. But um, yeah, I um, I don't know. I I've wanted to shout out Land of the Dead on Scream Squad, and I know that you you know also really liked it. I've seen it a bunch of times. And um, I, I feel like it really holds up. And yes, it is really pretty disgusting. I mean, they, they definitely, um, the money is there and it wasn't, it wasn't put into the cast. Uh, <laughs> it definitely was put into the, uh, and the effects are all pr- practical. They, you know? Oh I mean, man, they are. Like, I mean, there's, there's a shot of someone, a zombie stabbing their hand into someone's mouth and pulling out whatever's in there. Yeah. There's... Man, there's a really amazing actual like tracking shot of like hundreds of zombies eating hundreds of people. Yeah, and you see the like you know the guts and the you know it's 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 definitely good stuff. Um, it's even got a uh, a um, cameo by Tom Savini uh, as a zombie who uh, is definitely in. He plays a pretty big role in Dawn of the original Dawn of the Dead and is you know, one of the original zombie designer dudes and has gone on to do, you know, uh, he's, you know, pretty much up there um, as far as, like, monster makeup guys. He's so, um, he's so easily recognizable. Like, yeah. he's in, like, a five-second shot. I'd recognize him in, like, a one-second shot. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually, you wonder, he could actually technically be the same character. Um, right, that, right. Because it all takes place in the same sort of Pittsburgh and, um, you know, even though Dawn of the Dead is from, uh, I mean, not Dawn of the Dead, uh, Night of the Living Dead is from 1969, and this is, from t- you know, 2005, it's still all the same sort of zombie apocalypse. It just sort of gets updated to deal with, you know, technology. And the, the one that came after this, which I didn't like so much, um, is definitely deals with, like, the internet and um, social media and stuff like that during during the zombie apocalypse, which is kind of interesting, um, I, I want I wanted to go back briefly back to class discussion because there was something else I noticed while watching this, which I think is part of the reason I like it is that while it is like a super it's a super enjoyable movie with a kind of happy ending, surprisingly too. Um, it does, yeah. You know, it has like a it has like an upbeat ending. Um, I I think that the actual expression and delineation of like classes that they that they use and implement in the course of the plot in this movie are much more sophisticated than I would normally expect. Like it is, it is the idea of like of gentrification. It is the haves and the have nots, but it's actually a few different like layers of the haves and have nots, right? Because there are the haves who live in Fiddler's Green. They are the working class who like go out to steal their, to steal, to scavenge supplies for them. And then they're like just the abject, impoverished, injured, or like damaged who are actually kind of below those. And they show some of the, you know, the people like who are, who are individuals like Cholo. Um, they show their interactions with like the Hoi Polloi who are not in Feathers yeah. Green, who are not out scavenging, who are, um, I mean, like Asia Argento's character might be considered like one of those since she like is a prostitute or was a prostitute. Um, um, so it's this, the story is actually not, or the, the, how would you describe it? Like the systems of power in land of the dead are not black and white. They actually right. are like quite a few shades of gray, which again, I feel like is, is pretty unusual for 
a horror, a political horror movie to kind of have that level of sophistication and how they draw out those lines. And, you know, Land of the Dead, like, uses that to interesting effects. I mean, you, I even, I took some notes when I was watching the, there's like a, a, a scene, like maybe three quarters into the movie where they kind of get the Samoan dude on board. The Samoan dude who like, is, who's like almost a noble savage character, sort of, but like, I'm gonna give it up to him because like he does make it to the end. So like, props to, props to the Samoan dude and his characterization. Right. But there's like that moment where Pillsbury. Pillsbury. <laughs> That's right. It's Pillsbury. Pillsbury. Um, there is that moment where, you know, so Pillsbury is one of the kind of like henchmen sent by Dennis Hopper's character to kind of oversee this, uh, this kind of, you know, uh, chase to try and get Cholo and the truck back. And in, there's a kind of like standoff moment where he just knocks out his partner. Because he's like, right. you know what? Like, I like what you guys are doing. Like, I I can stand behind what you guys are doing more so than what, like, we and, you know, who I identify with are doing. So I'm just going to break rank here. Um, and I was like, okay, so essentially, you know, like a, like a person of color took out the their white compatriot because they can see that there's a, you know, a there there's a there's a rebel, a rebel alliance here that they can ally with. And I just feel like aside from just, you know, having diversity where now um, something that comes up on BGN a lot in general is like, is representation enough? Land of the Dead is an example where it's not a movie that has representation for its own sake. Like it uses its diverse cast to, you know, exploit interesting examples of a conversation about race, um, you know, especially with, you know, Leguizamo and Hopper. But also like, I mean, there's just a there's a bunch of other moments in the movie that where race is brought up or inferred or invoked uh, in an interesting way. And this is 12 years ago and I, you know, I mean, we've had, we've had get out this year and we're all grateful for it, but we're still not seeing a lot of movies that attempt to tackle that. Right. And that, and that is why I, I wanted to talk about this uh, because it, it is, it is addressing, you know, race and class. And, you know, I think like you, you mentioned before we started recording that, you know, zombie movies in general are often, you know, sort of political allegories, but um, you know, the, uh, the Romero stuff is special. Mm -hmm. um, and if I actually recall, and I, I only saw the one that comes after this once, um, but it was like all white college students. And I think even then there was like a statement being made there, mm. but it just was, wasn't anywhere near as interesting. And yeah, this, this one is like the only one that has, you know, yeah, a lot of people do die, but um, our core, our actual core heroes don't in this and um, they basically, you know, they set off for Canada in uh, in Dead Reckoning, and uh, that's actually a movie that I would totally want to uh, hell's yeah want to check out. Um, by the way, another walking. So Tom Savini is playing Blades, the same the same character that he played in Dawn of the Dead uh, uh -huh. back from you know 1979 or whatever. But um, Greg Nicotero who was, I believe, his protege and has gone on to uh, write and direct and produce, possibly showrun, on Walking Dead, is also a zombie in... Uh in, in Land of the Dead. So, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of, uh, sort of nods and, and connections back and forth. Um, but yeah, I, uh, so more recently, uh, we just had, I, I mean, I think was it, it is, is it a 2016 movie? The girl with all the gifts girl with all the gifts. Is that 2016 or 2015? No, it's a 2016 movie based on 
a 2014 book by Mike Carey, actually, the Vertigo writer, mm-hmm. who, um, among other things, is the third longest, he had the third longest run on Hellblazer, which is Vertigo's longest running comic. Um, he's only, uh, only, only behind uh, Garth Ennis and Peter Milligan. And um, he created and wrote uh, Lucifer, which won a bunch of Eisner's and has been turned into a TV show uh, that I've never seen. Um, I want to I want to say the 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 shortest run on Hellblazer <laughs> that's not like that's not in single issue is Warren Ellis, right? And I actually think I don't know that Warren Ellis. I think like I think a lot of Warren Ellis's stuff is like actually single single issues here, sing, like fill ins here, fill ins there. Did he actually have like a run? If I recall, he had an arc in Hellblazer that was that like didn't see the light of day right away because they were issues with the way he told his story and it had a lot of like. I mean, I want to say mature themes, but Hellblazers always had mature themes. But there was difficulty around his story, and it was eventually released, but I don't think it like came out procedurally in the issues, but they put it out as a graphic novel. Um, but yeah, so he had a super short run. <laughs> he He's definitely, um, um, Mike Carey's definitely uh, writing X-Men and Ultimate Fantastic Four, I think, these days. Yeah. X-Men Legacy. Um, but anyway, so he wrote, I don't know, um, I don't think it was his first novel. It wasn't. Um, but he wrote this novel, um, Girl With All The Gifts, and uh, the novel came out in like 2014, and by 2016, it was out in the theaters. And um, I think it's, uh, I, I mean, I actually really, really, really like this. I, I, I want to say, and I don't really know if I've seen this uh, this sentiment echoed online a lot for this movie. And I don't use the phrase tour de force a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never used tour de force in a written re- movie review. But if I had written the review of this movie, it probably would have squeaked out. Well, all right. So... I you did you you did play The Last of Us or you didn't play The Last of I Us? I played a bit of The Last of Us. I know a lot of it and I know the way that this movie kind of echoes a lot of things or aligns right. with so that. So for yeah. me personally, I played The Last of Us like a month after my mother died. And The Last of Us is de- is is fast zombies uh, fungus well, zombies they're not really zombies they're sort of fungal zombies yeah and um they're and and um this this in this apocalypse zombie apocalypse um there's a fungal disease that has actually sort of affected the brains and uh basically turned people into fast zombies unlike the slow zombies of the uh of the romero verse and uh, or walking dead and uh, they call them hungries and um basically humanity's only hope is the second generation uh, children who basically ate their way out of their mother's um and are um but and and so they still need to eat living flesh but they can think and teach I mean, they can think and talk and you know they're being schooled at an army base um but they're like strapped into wheelchairs um and they're uh, Glenn Close of all people uh is actually the head scientist who is conducting experiments on them with which they're going to supposedly they're very close to making a vaccine. Um, another another connection. So that, so in The Last of Us, there's obviously the connection between the fungal, these fungal disease that um, is in this and is in that. But the, both of them focus on a young girl and reluctant protector. And in this one, I mean, I don't know if you were going to say the tour de force, if you were going to use that for describing the movie 
Or if you were just going to use that to describe Sinia Nanua's performance as I, Melanie. I don't know which is more impressive. Like, right. I'm, 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 I'm genuinely conflicted about whether the movie is as amazing as her performance or vice versa. Like, in half her scenes, she's she's acting with Glenn Close. Or maybe not half, but, like, of plenty of her scenes, she's acting with one of the great actors of our time, you know, who is, you know, probably, you know, 55 years older than her <laughs> or 50 years older than her. I don't know how old Glenn Close is, but, you know, um, I mean, this girl looks like she's, like, 12 years old. And, um, you know, uh, and, and Patty Considine, who's in it, is actually a really great actor. And Gemma Arterton, I mean, she was the... I, I really mostly know her as the Bond girl from The Quantum of Solace. But, um, you know, she's basically acting with really, really, really good actors. And she holds her own in every scene. She's she's really extraordinary. Um, so this, this deals with... I, I don't know, gentrification might be a stretch. <laughs> but this deals with almost like a whole... Almost like a Planet of the Apes thing. Like, who deserves... Who deserves to inherit the earth? You know, like does it are are these zombies sort of a next, you know, a next breed of evolution sort of, you know, um uh type of thing? You know, do humans really deserve to, you know, after everything that they've fucked it all up, do you know, do they deserve to be experimenting on these children to keep, you know, their their position or you know, there's a uh, there's definitely something. You know, I'm I'm not sure exactly how to, how to phrase it going on here, but um, uh, do, I mean, let, let's going let, let's let's the- call out first of all that the you know the girl with all the gifts. Um, a big part of the plot, which usually isn't the case with zombie movies, is the fact that these zombies are apparently not necessarily our fault. We didn't make a toxin that created a fungus that change everybody in the zombies to my understanding it's just a thing that exists it's a thing it's that- a thing that exists although i have to say i mean i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna might disagree with you i mean i don't know that the zombies in the walking dead or the romero verse are like our fault um i thought i thought I, well I, in the show the walking dead i thought that our our affect toward the zombies was like a huge reason why everything was going on because wasn't there like a whole science subplot to the walking dead am i crazy yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I've watched every episode, and I don't remember us being the, the the reason for it. No, this this one posits like actual because. So the first generation of zombies are just fast zombies, you know. But the second generation of zombies that are sort of hybrid human zombies, the um like, and they're all children, like Melanie, the main character. Um, you know, you could argue that they are superior to humans the way mutants are superior to humans. Um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a marriage within nature. It's that this thing existed in nature that made the zombies, but then humanity, uh, you know, um, incubated that, that affect and then made something new. Like in a way it's almost like it's, it's, it's not, it's not sexual reproduction, but it's a kind of sexual reproduction with the fungus. It's a symbiotic reproduction type of thing. And, you know, there's no doubt that Melanie has humanity and, you know, um, and, and, and that actually, so we, we meet a whole bunch of feral, you know, children, I, I mean, zombie children, I don't know how you describe them because they're, they are part human, but they're also flesh eating, you know, monsters. Um, but they are superior, I mean, because they have the human stuff and the, and the, um, you know they have, they have human qualities, and they also have 
the uh, you know the physical superiority in every way. Um, they're faster. They're stronger. They're smarter. They have you know heightened senses. You know, I mean, it's basically like a, a world of Wolverine children, basically. Yes, yes, no, something like that. They, they, they are, they are kind of a, a step up. They are a leg up, which is why, like in the in in the sense of you know Glenn Close's character, um, whose name her character name is escaping me right now, but you know she's uh, Doctor Caldwell. Yeah, like she, this you definitely get the idea that you know that humanity has their back to the wall. And it's like, all right, we're pretty much almost screwed. And she's really close to figuring out like a way out for, for us. But that's kind of the, the, you know, the setting of the film. And it's interesting because when, when, you know, in the, in the later, in the much later portion of the movie where it first introduces like, you know, this idea or, or maybe it just coerces more the, the viewer into thinking like, yeah, there, there's, there's something about this girl that she, she is, she is superior. She's better at surviving. She does have the, uh, the improved senses that maybe she is better than humanity. Maybe this is just us losing, uh, you know, a battle of, of superiority, not even just by numbers, not just by horrors, but just that they're better than us. Um, but I still found, I did not really expect the movie taking that turn. Like when, right. when she, when, um, when, uh, when Melanie, you know, has like a few of like those moments of hers where she just like stops and she's like, well, you know, what, what if this is the, 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 the important moment I guess I'm thinking of is like in the lab where Glenn Close is like, has knocked everybody else out. And then Melanie like, you know, comes back because she can withstand whatever she did. I don't know if she removed air from, from the air or like, you know, she did some kind of sleeping gas yeah. and basically it, Melanie can hold her breath longer than a human. Right. So she was able to withstand it. And that's where Melanie right. just expresses like, well, maybe we're just better. Maybe this is just, you know, right. And I, I, that, that, that totally took me for a twist. Like, but what's so interesting is Melanie's plan is to actually keep the humans alive. Right. She doesn't want to kill them, but she wants to unleash the spores that sort of basically are like, will bring on the next level. I mean, it's basically, you know, like what homo, the earliest homo sapiens would have said to the earliest, you know, Neanderthals or, 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 or Cro-Magnums, you know, um, you know, we're the network, what, you know, if there was a, uh, you know, I'm not up on the most recent stuff with like mutants and stuff in, in, in the Marvel Universe, but if there was a way to release like a mutant bomb and make everybody mutants, like, wouldn't you do that? You know, mutants are cooler than humans, you know? <laughs> um, and uh, also, um, I mean, it's worth pointing out, I mean, we, we, we talked about race in the in the other, and, and this one, you know, again, it's not so much gentrification as much as who, who, should, uh, who should inherit the earth. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the fact that it's, you know, a little black girl um, is, is important. Yeah, um, she's, she's, the, she's, the, she's the real agent of change. Um, yes. And, and also she's, the, she's in some ways the mother of the next generation, right? So you look at like um, of, 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 of humanity or of whatever, um, you know, you look at something like um, Key, the, the woman in the, um, what you know the, the the Clive Owen movie uh, the you know about the Children the, of Men you know, yeah Children of Men key you know she's this black woman and I remember um, what's his face the director in an interview saying that he wanted her to be a black woman because humanity started in Africa right and the idea is she's sort of kickstarting humanity again and I get that again here 
Um, but there's almost, she, you know, Melanie's a girl. Like, there's something even innocent, you know. And again, it's not a sexual, you know, it's, you know, she, she, she burns a bunch, she burns a tree of husks that sends spores out into the air. And so it's this sort of non-sexual reproduction that you were talking about. But she is the mother of, in, in many ways, of the next generation. Right. Of, and, of whatever is going to be, you know, ruling Earth, essentially. At, I mean, at, the, at the least, a ha- she's the Eve. At the least, a hastener. Like, really, like, what she did, um, if, if I could get, like, uh, like kind of weird about it. Like, what she did was stop Glenn Close from possibly solving the problem. Burning the, burning the, the pillar was something that, as Glenn Close mentions early in the movie, was probably just going to happen. Like something was going to happen to re- to release all those things. She she like she hastened that, but mostly what she did is stopped someone from stopping it from happening, right. <laughs> you know? which is kind of and interesting. We don't know, you know, we don't know if these are the last people. I mean, there could be some lab, you know, on the other side True. of England or in America or in China or in you know the Lagos or somewhere where literally they've come up with the you know with the cure. But um, you know, there there is a notion, and at the end. Um, you know, there is the the human is sort of teaching. There, it 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 actually reminded me a little of the end of the first Dark Knight graphic novel. Ah, uh, right, like the, like the scene with like Bruce talking to the to the to the young yeah like, uh, whatever bat punks or whatever it is they are yeah and like you know, um, but yeah, this really uh, I thought you know um, didn't get you know I think when the trailer came out. There was, uh, people were talking about it, but I don't really, I'm not saying Get Out's not a better movie than this, but like, it is pretty amazing that Get Out made, you know, $250 million and is a perfect score and like, nobody's talking about this. Like, you know, depending on what, what happened, you know, like it's, it's, this movie deserves a lot more, um, sort of attention. I think, I think, Um, I think it's the most important zombie movie since Shaun of the Dead and similarly the hardest to imitate. Right. Like, like, I think this is important, but that doesn't mean that it's going to invite, you know, uh, like biters, no pun intended, uh, because it, there, the, it is, it's to me, I mean, the, the first act of this movie, the, the way exposition and story is told in the entire first act before you even see the zombies behind the gates once. Right, right. You don't know what's going on no. for the first 20 minutes. It's it's absolutely incredible. And even and even the stuff in those first 20 minutes, it, you know, uh, uh, affects the stuff in the last 20 minutes. Like, the, I just, I was totally bowled over by the storytelling in this movie. I think it's absolutely exceptional. Um, you're right. I mean, I, I did hear rumbles about this movie going on, but I mean, this is... This is must watch. This is like necessary filmmaking. Um, and, and it's it's currently on Amazon. If you have Amazon Prime, you, you should definitely check this out. Um, you know, one thing to, to mention what you were talking about, about with the storytelling is apparently the book, like, um, I guess, Game of Thrones, is um, basically told from the point of view of, of all five of the main characters right and goes back and forth whereas melanie is clearly the main character in the um you know in in the movie like it's really she's the hero yeah which you need to do i guess in a movie it was if it was a tv series maybe they'd be able to do that um you know uh switching back and forth but you know i guess they didn't really do that in 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 game of thrones the tv series like they do in the books but that that in itself would be interesting 
Um, also, um, they use uh, the, the uh, basically uh, a Ukrainian town uh, that got that has been uninhabited since Chernobyl. They actually sent drones. And that's what some of the aerial views of the like sort of deserted and fucked up London are actually from. They sent actually drones like, you know, they couldn't have done this, uh, you know, <laughs> however many years ago, you know, before people started filming movies with drones or whatever. And they just sent drones into uh, above this Ukrainian town of Pripyat, um, you know, that has been uninhabited since 1986, um, which is kind of amazing. Um, and it, you know, they, they, it's a great, it's, it's a, it's a great use of it because I mean, yeah, like just the, the, the settings that they use are so, are so evocative and like haunting and weird and, and broken and real feeling. Uh, so that, that, that particular choice they made, I mean, just seems like so wisely utilized that man. So, so, so much of this, like even again, like the, the, the way that, that the, that the girl's agency kind of evolves throughout the movie too, like how she, how she's able to kind of like earn their trust and even, you know, express her own doubt at her ability to control herself. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's almost like this person who's been a prisoner her, her entire life up to the point that you meet her, uh, like just evolves, uh, evolves as a as a human being or whatever human question mark being yeah no no no, i get it yeah i i agree she grows she she just like she grows like leaps and bounds you almost feel like you know you've you're watching like oh like a uh a building's roman in fast forward uh man but it's but that's one of the reasons that the movie actually works like she's not a villain even though she is basically contributing to the end of humanity mm-hmm. um, and it's because of her our, our, our we're on her side and her sensitive portrayal uh, you know I don't know I don't believe Sinian Nanua has done anything or Nanua I don't think she has done anything before that um, she doesn't even have a Wikipedia entry and you know um for all the you know I, I she you know whatever they're always trying to find like the, the next big thing or whatever like she's the next big thing this is know? this is the arrival of an actor absolutely absolutely um and just uh, just a shout out actually it was a first time director uh, first time movie director Colm McCarthy who um actually uh, has been in a lot, done a lot of British TV he directed the entire second season of uh, Peaky Blinders did some Doctor Who uh, Ripper Street uh, Sherlock um, yeah a lot of TV he's like a TV yeah. guy so you know he um but he did a really good job um and I you know just just shout shout out to him shout out to the casting I mean and shout out to the cast themselves I just feel like again. This both of well, this one definitely you know snuck under the radar. Land of the Dead, I think, is not you know remembered as fondly as it should be. But Girl with All the Gifts, like th- this, is one that everyone should be talking about, you know. Um, and nobody really is talking about it. I don't. It had a it had a four million pound budget, and I don't even think it made that back in its theatrical run. Um, so you know, uh, you know, which is yeah, it's four million pounds, five million in dollars. And its box office, it made two and a half million dollars. You so had a limited release. Are you saying? Are you saying post-Trump Brexit dollars or pre-Trump Brexit dollars? That's a, that's <laughs> actually uh, that's a good question. Actually, <laughs> um, 
but because uh, it would have been right around that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it is interesting just to if you want to sort of come full circle. Last week, um, the uh, an election was held in uh, in Britain. A very very big stupid mistake by the Tories um, but that you know the conservatives but um, since then um, Theresa May has been referred to as the zombie prime minister um, and so I feel like uh, the fact that we're talking about the zombie movie and we're talking about the politics I think the name of this episode will be zombie politics and so uh, shout out to Theresa May who hopefully will not be on the uh, on the political stage for much longer her uh well her her two uh her two uh biggest advisors quit yesterday or or on friday uh so uh you know maybe she um, maybe she'll be set upon by a gang of bloodthirsty children that which is absolutely uh basically what happened uh because uh, no it's uh labor one because uh young people came out and voted yep and so um you know we can hope that uh that 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 election was to a certain degree a referendum on you know global referendum at least on trumpism you know with both uh the recent french election and and the most recent british one and um you know hopefully we you know our our own zombie body politic uh will hopefully be be cleansed in 2018 or sooner perhaps if uh you know Comey and uh, Mueller have their way, but uh, I feel like now we've really uh, veered off, veered off into the uh, into the dead body. No, I, no, I like it because I'm, I'm enjoying optimistic Chico. I don't get a ton of it, and I kind of want to let you run around with it when, when right, you get right. there. Well, you know, <laughs> no, nothing makes me as optimistic actually as seeing a, a, a little black girl end humanity <laughs> <laughs> to bring the next to bring in the next wave of what will come. That's about as optimistic as an ending of any movie. I mean, you know. Forget you know, forget our heroes and 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 the Samoan guy riding off to Canada. <laughs> Even better than that is the uh, you know, is Melanie with a book of matches, <laughs> pretty much ending ending this 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 experiment, this this uh, you know, this 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 chapter in uh, in, in evolution. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I I I you know, if you haven't seen uh, the girl with all the gifts, do so. If you saw Land of the Dead and don't and and don't remember how dope it is, check it out. If you didn't see it, you should definitely uh, uh, seek it out. And um, yeah, I don't know any 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 last thoughts. Yeah, I'll just reiterate: like gorehounds will love Land of the Dead. You wouldn't think you would you'd love the gore effects in a movie twelve years ago, but these are guys with money at the top of their game. And just like going for broke with it, and it's really. And good. It, but it's not just gore. I mean, there's definitely, as you said, there's there's a lot of you know, as we both said, uh, you know, there's a lot of sort of keen insight into class and race that you know, a Cuban guy from Pittsburgh who has remained in Pittsburgh his whole life, you know, um, only he could sort of make. You know, no, dude, dude, dude. I'm trying to seduce them with the gore. I'm trying to get okay. just you know, right. yeah, go watch this really gory movie. You know what I'm saying? And then it is. Well, it is gory. Yeah, well, then we'll then we'll hook him with all the good shit. But they'll right. come for the gore and then hook him with the good shit. Yeah, like I mean, you put it you put it uh, better than I could. It's like revisit Land of the Dead if you need to. Uh, Girl with all the gifts is like 100 percent must see horror filmmaking. Like yes, it's it's a game changer in my opinion. Right. So I mean, it. it I I would argue that it is as important a 2016 film as Get Out is a 2017. Film. Oh, I would totally agree. 
So, you know, and um, something that uh, we've been meaning to or I've been meaning to just shout out uh, to uh, Tatiana King Jones, who has been um, actually um, editing all of these episodes and should be getting a shout out in every uh, Scream Squad. And so, um, you know, we, we just wanted to say thanks, Tatiana. And, uh, you know, one day we're going to have to have you on the show to uh, to give your opinions about some things. But um until then, uh, keep screaming. I'm Chico Leo. I'm Leo Fairman. Keep screaming, y'all. And uh, we'll be back, uh, you know, every two weeks with another episode. And we are going to actually, uh, we've already got something going for the uh, for the Patreon. And we're going to get back, uh, we're going to get back into doing stuff on the Patreon. So if you're supporting, please keep supporting. And um, apologies for the fact that it's been fallow for the last month or two. And um, if you're thinking about supporting, well, we're going to be uh, doing some cool shit on there. So... Um, yeah, keep screaming. Keep screaming.